Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, welcome back, guys. We got... Ben, he's a power box here with Clint Cannon from ATS Diesel. Clint Cannon from freaking ATS sitting at my table. This is pretty gnarly. Uh, we got a very special episode. You are our second guest. We had Lenny Reed on here a while back, and then we got Clint. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm like one of the cool guys now. I don't know. It wasn't <laughs> yeah, too long ago. Everybody. Yeah. The the uh, I came to your guys' uh, let us roll or let it roll event in like 15. And wow, I, it's been that long ago. Yeah, that was the last time I was there, but that was the first event I went to. I was just a young, young industry diesel pup. I started here in like September 14. I went to guys in March 15. I was like, yeah, I'm in the right spot. It was cool. cool. Well, it's coming around the corner too. <laughs> Two weeks, Denver, Colorado. Yeah, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, it's a good event. It's fun. Hopefully, we're going to avoid the snow this year. We've had some of the same weather you guys are having. A lot mm-hmm. of snow, a lot of cold. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it did. It, yeah, it's been a nice, nice winter. Yeah. It's a nice summer, right? <laughs> yeah. Nice summer leading into a pretty gnarly last two weeks. Snowboarding's been good. I've been getting some of that in. But anyhow, so today we're going to talk to Clint and we're going to talk about obviously industry stuff. We're also going to get a little bit personal. Personal's good. Personal's I'm good. An open book. <laughs> open book. Going to talk about it. my ex wives or? No, 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 no. <laughs> Mostly just like what gets you going, what's your jam, that kind of thing. Maybe what kind of underwear you have on or no. I thought I told you I didn't wear underwear. <laughs> It's going to be a good podcast. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, a lot of people know ATS, purple transmissions, purple turbos, purple converters, and whatnot. Um, Clint Cannon, what's your like elevator story, two-minute background go? You know, so this is our 25th year in business. Um, opened up at a little training shop, mainly because I was tired of trying to clean the crappy floors at the training shop that I worked at. So <clears throat> kind of made a joke to my... Um, boss at the time if he didn't give me some good equipment to clean the floors that I was going to leave and open up my own shop and he laughed at me so in 93 opened a shop and that was a training shop and then somewhere around 95 when the uh, diesels came out when the Cummins came out the mighty 12 valve 
um, started making a lot of horsepower, there was not a lot in the market to hold the kind of power that, you know, these Cummins owners were making. So, mm -hmm. um, me being a training rebuilder and I just started rebuilding torque converters. Um, that's pretty much when I invented the triple lock, which was the first triple disc torque converter in the market. And, um, ever since then it's been, you know, gone from building all these trainees to the triple locks, the five star, um, started casting manifolds, turbochargers, you know, up today we have our brand new, um, variable geometry turbos. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as things kind of, um, progressed throughout the year from 93 to current, you know, as the market moved around, we've had this, this, uh, bad word thing come out. It's called all the emissions mm -hmm. on the diesels, right? So it just, it forces us to evolve into different levels of manufacturing, um, understanding electronics, you know, having fixes for all the diesel owners out there so we can mm -hmm. continue to have our fun. Nice. So it's uh it's been a, it's been a long road, but a short road, but uh, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of really cool people in the industry that we've met. And, you know, today in Denver, Colorado, we have a, we're in about 110,000 square foot building. So upstairs is all machine shop. Uh, mm -hmm. We manufacture everything. Downstairs is all assembly where we have torque converters, the trannies, the turbo shop, electronics, pretty much everything that you get is built in-house, you know, not necessarily just American made, but actually made and assembled in Arvada, Colorado. So it's something we're really proud of. That's pretty yeah, cool. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I remember taking the tour when I was out there last time and you always hear like, Oh, built and assembled here. We do everything. And it's like, no shit. You guys really like <laughs> every nut and bolt, the paint, everything. Yeah. Pretty much everything from the, well, I like to say it's easier to say what we don't manufacture in house and that's actual castings. Mm -hmm. So we build all of our, all of our tooling in house, say it's a manifold or a turbine housing. We build the turbine or that we build the tooling in house and we send it to a casting facility. They pour the molten metal inside our mold and then they bring it back to us and then we machine it. Mm -hmm. And once they go through all the different operations and they eventually get assembled into a piece that we offer, whether it's a torque converter or a turbine housing or a, you know, manifold, whatever that might be. But it's really cool to have the, you know, to be lucky enough to be in an area and have all the talent, you know, around me that I've been able to surround myself with, you know, inside that building. So we can mm -hmm. actually take something from a basic design or a concept, engineer it, get through it, build all the tooling, design it, bring it back in house and put it in a box and sell it to somebody that bolts right on the truck. Yeah. And that so means you also have complete <clears throat> control of everything going on. So if it's, if you build a thousand of them, the second thousand might be even better than the first thousand. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's kind of what happens. You know, I mean, we're really good at just in time delivery, mm -hmm. you know, JIT is something we kind of have found that we can, uh, <clears throat> that we can actually compete with the offshore market, mm -hmm. mainly because we do short runs of components. I mean, instead of doing 500, a thousand of something, we might do 500 or maybe 50 pieces. So as these, those parts come in, we get them through the process, you know, get them boxes, get them on distributor shelf like yourself. And then by the time the next run comes around, we might have a small design change, you know, or if we screw up, you know, and we need, we have something that we need to fix, mm -hmm. then, you know, we have a very short run out there. So with such a, such a great, you know, quick connection with you guys, um, that are actually bolting these parts on and, you know, working with the customers, you know, when we get that feedback, we can quickly get it into the design change and, you know, just continue to evolve the product and make it better and better. Yeah. That's awesome. That gets me, it gets me jacked. You know, a lot of the diesel guys are pretty, pretty proud Americans. So that's, uh, makes me excited to sell you guys this product and talk to people about it you know, yeah, on, on my end that. of things, you know? Um, so let's kind of dive into that a little bit more. Uh, the, 
on the business side of things, and, and for you guys listening, we're going to get into products and we're going to do all that kind of stuff. But for, for this one, it's actually kind of like a, I don't know, maybe even like a business-related question. Um, did you run into any kind of like really hard hurdles trying to keep everything stateside, like with you in you know in, in Denver, Colorado? You know, th- yeah, there's there's always hurdles. You know, in business, it's it's always one thing or another. You know, mm-hmm. it really is. I mean, it's everything from some of the biggest hurdles we fight today are you know hurdles with the government. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I'm not necessarily referring to the bad word EPA. You know, emissions compliance stuff. That's a whole nother level of it. But as far as the government stuff, for instance, like in Denver, Colorado, they legalized uh, marijuana sales, mm-hmm. right? And what that's done is that's created a real hardship for our employees because housing has almost or actually gone more than tripled. Oh, wow. So a little one-bedroom apartment that was $700 is now 2600 bucks. You know, and that's, that creates a lot of problems when you have, you know, a, a small family mm-hmm. that's working, you know, and they're used to making you know, 18, 15 bucks an hour, whatever that is. And now, you know, they're having to make 25 bucks an hour to have the same standard of living, mm-hmm. you know? So that's a lot of, you know, the hurdles that we've dealt with. Um, something as simple as, you know, we've got two elevators in our building. Mm-hmm. The elevators now cost almost $8,000 a year just to wow. certify them, you know? So, you know, in years past it was 400. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those types of things with the level of so much government and so much over policing, you know, that's creating, you know, it creates a lot of hardship on small business, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, all you can do is just continue to absorb it and do what you can to kind of get through it. But at the end of the day, you know, we can't pass that on to our customers, you know, I mean, you can only get so much for a product mm-hmm. and you know, once you, once you're, once you get to that point, there's only so much margin left, you yeah. know? So, so those are the things that make it hard on the employees, you know, hard yeah. on everybody. And you guys definitely did a good job working with that. I mean, that's uh, that's something that's, if you're not in Colorado, you may not even know that's going on. And I guess that's a good thing for you guys, not translating that to the customers, you know, kind of dealing with it on your own. Yeah, no, you can't. But I mean, one of the, one of the nice things that we have been a little bit shielded from because we haven't been, for instance, the tariffs, you know, the tariffs came out and they're right now about 24%, you know, for parts that are being imported into the States or Canada. Um, you know, we haven't really been hit by that because all of our stuff stateside. So pretty much everything, everything that we bring in, everything that we have, um, is being in, brought in from, you know, neighboring states mm-hmm. or, excuse me, or directly from Colorado, you know, so we haven't had that additional tariff charge, which that kind of helps, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's, you know, 24% of your base product line, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies, you know, a lot of competitors that we compete with that, you know, I have conversations with that they're really dealing with, you know, and a 24, 24% increase right on the bottom line. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're having to pass on, you know, That's so hard. we're having, you were having to seeing a lot of parts increases, yeah. you know, and, and it's nice that we're, that we haven't been subject to that. So again, you know, American made is, you know, something for us to be really proud of. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I said before, it makes us proud too. We try and keep everything as, as stateside as possible. And that gets me stoked. So next question, we start kind of talking about more maybe product oriented. We're going to dip on some other stuff too. So what's, what's new, what's hot, what's your, at this moment right now, what, what's, What's Russell and your Jimmy? You know, um, a lot. There's, there's been, we've had a lot of movement this last year. Um, you know, one, our EFR series. Mm -hmm. So that's our variable geometry turbochargers. Mm -hmm. And that is, we've released that across the board, Ford, Dodge, GM, Duramax, um, all the power strokes, um, everything across the line. We have generally a stage one, two, and three. So we have Mm -hmm. complete drop in like factory ready emissions legal, just replace your factory turbocharger all the way up to. Um, larger variable geometry turbos that support mm-hmm. higher horsepower levels. Um, and that's been, 
that's been many years in the making just because there's so so much that we had to redesign on these components you know the biggest problem with the vgt turbo is the vein pack you know mm-hmm. the turbines they stick you know so when you have when you have you know a series of you know 10 12 13 veins inside the turbine housing that are constantly actuating inside of an environment that's 1400 degrees you know it's hard to it's hard to make that turbine housing actually work so what the manufacturers did to maintain some of the reliability they started really loosening them up mm-hmm. so when the turbine housing would warp you know it didn't it 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 resisted some of the sticking um that kind of thing so what we did is we took a little bit different approach is we built the all the units and rings um all the vnt portions you know out of a really high grade material either <clears throat> stainless steel um or an econel you know something that's basically basically impervious to the heat mm-hmm. um, and then many of the applications were recast in turbine housings out of an hsm um, along with redesigning them when we were going after reliability we found we picked up a lot of performance in them as well so being able to flow more exhaust gas on the turbine side and you know if you're in turbocharges very long you realize that <clears throat> the industry typically have their hat kind of hung on how big the compressor wheel is mm-hmm. well the compressor is one side of the equation you know, back pressure is the other side of the equation. Mm-hmm. So everything you pick up on back pressure, you're going to pick up on airflow. So it doesn't necessarily mean a bigger turbine wheel, or I'm sorry, a bigger compressor wheel, or mm-hmm. a bigger, you know, more efficient compressor wheel is the end all, right? That's only half the battle. So we started spending a lot of time on the exhaust side of it and really isolating, you know, how exhaust flows through the turbine section. And we found we picked up a lot of gains. Good. So, you know, by, by between... The better materials, being able to keep the reliability, increase the airflow. You know, we've uh, basically developed a turbocharger that flows much higher, um, you know, gets there quickly with the variable geometry. Mm-hmm. means we can hang a bigger compressor wheel on it, get more airflow, and not have to sacrifice. And, you know, pretty much you, what you end up with is a high-performance turbo that we can offer, you know, truly, you know, a two- or three-year warranty on that is unheard of in the industry when it comes to variable geometry. For VGT turbos, yeah, that's huge. Most of them are going to be 12-year, and it's 9% of the time is the actuator. Right, yeah. What do, you, what do you guys do for an actuator on those? Um, we have two different actuators. So we have the a lot of the actuators currently um, are they're still under um, patent protection from the OEM, so we're pretty much on those. We're just forced to use brand-new actuators. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not rebuilding them. They're all, they're all new actuators. Um, in instances where they're not under the... Um, factory production of the patent, then we're um, basically replacing them with a redesign one that's more mm-hmm. universal. And then they, then we have a big motor on them. They work really, really well. Awesome. Extremely reliable. That's good to hear. So that's it, a, we, we always talk about on here too, like we try and talk about like the basics of diesel stuff and people improving performance on them. And it's basically, it's a big air pump. Get air in, get air out with a whole bunch of other, you know, there's a lot of tech behind that too. But in a very simple form, get in, get out. And a lot of that, I mean, that's the turbo. You've, you've got air coming in through turbo, air going out through turbo. You got to make sure that everything's working correctly there. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a big part of it. You know, diesels absolutely suck with that force induction. Mm-hmm. You know, diesels, they just they just don't work. I mean, they, they are not an engine that's designed to be normally aspirated. And when was you the know? last time you heard someone stoked on IDI? <clears throat> uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't <laughs> think that's ever been told, right? <laughs> So I've got a little I've got a little uh, Kubota tractor that I snow that I uh, plow my snow plow or plow my driveway with. Mm-hmm. You know I've got a pretty steep driveway and that thing actually was sick enough that it wouldn't plow the snow. Okay. You know it's a little three cylinder, and I just you know honestly forgot about how much a diesel responds 
until you put a turbo on it. So mm-hmm. this summer, you know, I bolted a turbo on it. Just thought it was kind of a, kind of a, you know, fun. I found a little bitty turbo off of a Saab that was about the right size and mm-hmm. bolted all on there. And this winter, you know, we've had a lot of snow and I can actually pull fourth gear now up the driveway. So it literally <laughs> doubled the horsepower, you know, and this is just a little bitty, you know, three cylinder mm-hmm. diesel. But if you look at diesels today, you know, uh, you know, a, a typical diesel will make, you know, 27, you know, to 30 PSI boost pressure, mm-hmm. um, factory, you know, and these things are making, I mean, the new Ford's going to make, well, all of them, you know, they're making almost a thousand foot pounds, mm-hmm. you know, you don't do that normally aspirated. Right. No. So, I mean, it really is all about the turbocharger and, you know, turbochargers are incredibly efficient devices and the more technology we put into them, you know, especially when you start borrowing technologies from the gas side of it, mm-hmm. you know, cause the gas guys have been have been really pushing turbo technology um, really to a higher level than the diesel guys. I mean, the diesel guys are kind of archaic. You know, I, I hate to say that about ourselves, but mm-hmm. we really have been, you know, because we haven't really been looking at the technology that's out there in gas. And when you start looking at a lot of the gas turbocharger technology, you know, and that's one of the things that we've done is we've, we've really started paying attention to the gas side of turbocharger technology and integrating that into the Aurora series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you compare even say in Aurora 3000, you know, that we were building four or five years ago to, to now it's night and day difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking, I mean, you're talking a 20% increase, you know, and you're picking that up on the compressor side and the turbine side. So, you know, the, the technology of airflow is definitely, um, where the power is, where the efficiency is. And then of course, you know, that leads you right into performance with emissions on, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have everything right when you're building systems that are increasing you know, torque and horsepower levels, you know, by 20, 40, 80%, sometimes double, mm-hmm. you know, it has to be the latest efficiency stuff, you know, and that's where the, um, you know, some of our, our new power stroke kit, you know, for the six, seven Ford, um, we've got a nice compound kit. We're just releasing on that where it's an add a turbo mm-hmm. and it's absolutely amazing. You know, we add a secondary injector pump just because the CP4 runs out of pressure. And of course the CP4s are not reliable when you really start pushing them so they blow up. So, you know, it's not a bad pump. They just are not reliable when you really start pushing, asking a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So adding the secondary CP3, then doing the plus kit, which we add our turbo now in the Ford, it's really cool because there's no room underneath the dash mm-hmm. or underneath the hood. So we had to remove the EGR cooler, which means that that would technically be deleting the vehicle, right? And we put the put the turbocharger in place of the EGR cooler, and then we relocate the EGR cooler under the front of the engine. Oh, wow. So now we have the best of both worlds. We have our EGR um, intact still. We have a little bit more cooling, just mm-hmm. because the cooling pipes, which makes it more run more efficient. And you have the turbocharger placed in place of it, so it's directly mounted right in front of the, high, or the, uh, the factory VGT. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives you the best of everything. You know, very quick response, incredible mid-range, unbelievable top end. Mm-hmm. You know, and that truck, um, that package, you know, makes about 600 horsepower and 13 foot, 1,300 foot-pounds of torque. And that's a complete bolt-on, fully emissions vehicle. You know, it's, awesome. it's I mean, it's kind of like the Dodge. So the technology is really out there. And without the, without the um, technology of the turbocharger, you know, diesel performance just would not be where it's at today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, and that's kind of segue us right into this, like, next topic. You know, the, the bad three-letter word, you know, EPA. Um, and I remember, uh, you gave us a, a like a lecture seminar, whatever you want to call it about, uh, transmissions and torque converters and stators inside there. And that was, it, it blew my mind when I was sitting there 
watching you guys talk about it. So it was very educational. You taught me a lot about transmission and torque converters. I had no idea about it. I had an idea about it, but cleared a lot of it up. I'm glad it helped. And I still <laughs> use a lot of that knowledge to this day. Um, but we, we, and that, and that was back in 2015 and you were already talking about, you know, we need to start looking at making good power, good clean power with the emissions intact. It's not going away. We need to work with it and we need to make it better. And I know that you guys were dealing with a little bit of struggles as far as like trying to make things better. Like what kind of issues were you guys running into? You know, we just kind of ran into everything. Working with the factory after treatment system is, is something else. You know, I've, I've, um, often relate to today, you know, designing systems on a diesel, you know, you not only have to be a mechanical engineer and a network engineer, but now we have to be chemistries, mm. chemists, you know, because everything that's happening with the fuel, you know, as it leaves the engine, um, you know, it goes through all these different traps and it changes the, the molecular structure basically, and ultimately ends up coming out the tailpipe, something that is not harmful for us to breathe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you start changing the air fuel ratios and, and increasing the power and, you know, heating up the cylinder, you know, creating knocks, all that kind of thing. I mean, there's always a byproduct and there's something you have to deal with downstream. Mm -hmm. So having an entire system that works kind of like it's supposed to from the factory. So you're not asking the after treatment system to do something that wasn't designed to do, um, is the real benefit there. And that's really, again, we're on the six, seven Ford and the six, seven Dodge, where we pretty much, when you get above that 600 horsepower mark, we require you to add the secondary CP3 system on it mm -hmm. because adding the secondary CP3 maintains the rail pressure, maintaining the rail pressure, makes sure it atomizes properly. So it burns in the cylinder and it doesn't create all these unwanted, um, this after treatment problem you're having to deal with. Cause you know, you can build a lot of power, um, in a short term, if you're sitting, you know, if you, if you heavy sit, Mm -hmm. or you're, you know, generating a lot of extra knocks and the urea system is having to work overtime or the, the DPF is catching a lot of soot, then you're having to burn it down. You know, there's a huge, huge mileage, um, hit that you take there, you know, of course, in the after treatment system itself, you know, will basically fail prematurely if you overwork it. So there's a, so there's a lot that takes place there, you know, when, when you kind of put an entire system together to increase the power levels, you know, increase the performance, increase, increase the towability. And when it's all done right, we find that your mileage, you know, and your overall drivability um, gets better, mm -hmm. mainly because it's actually regening on itself, which means that when the DPF, when the system gets up to temperature and you're running that airflow through it um, with the right ratios, then the DPF will actually cook itself down hmm. and it stays clean. And what's really cool about the newer technology trucks, pretty much most everything with urea, is they kind of run a constant active type of regen. So instead of letting the DPF completely pack up, you know, 89% fuel, then, then burn down, it doesn't go through this roller coaster anymore. It continues mm -hmm. to maintain itself, you know, it keeps, it keeps, keeps itself clean. That makes sense. So yeah. generally it will stay less than 5% clocked, which means that you basically have an open exhaust. Yeah. So it's, you know... So combining all that technology, you know, the right tuning, the right turbo, the right fuel system, kind of all the parts, you know, really has given us the heyday that we're getting back in the day. You know, and these systems are, I mean, they're awesome. These trucks are, these are, they're amazing to drive. Yeah. I know you were driving a compounded six, seven for a while. You're still driving that one. No, I've, um, moved on to the Ford, mm -hmm. to the, um, six, seven Ford, mm -hmm. you know, I move around every couple of years just to work on the, t the technology. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes, it takes years and years and years to work this technology out and you just have to. 
you have to drive them every day. You have to pull, you know, a lot of weight with them. You have to drive them daily. You have to do stop and go. You know, you kind of have to put it through real world, you know, stuff that, that, that our customers are doing every single day. And, you know, you do that for a year or two and you really figure out, you know, what makes them tick, you know, what, what they like, what they don't. And, you know, then after that, then we finally released the kits. You know, the Ford kit, for instance, been in production, I'm sorry, been in development for two years. You know, we're just releasing it. You know, the Dodge that you're referring to, we were in development with that one for probably five years. Mm-hmm. You know, we started working on this in 07. You know, the pre-10 tucks just did not work with emissions on. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I mean, we finally did get them kind of working, but they just don't work that well, mainly because the technology to start with didn't really exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once you get into, you know, the 12, 13 trucks and newer, then things started getting really pretty decent. You know, of course, you know, the, the 15 plus trucks work really, really well. Mm-hmm. So every year, you know, as the manufacturers get a little bit better, that gives us a little bit more ability to, you know, hang our systems on it and make them better and better. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting. You know, I mean, the day of performance diesel is definitely here. You know, there's no question. I mean, we were really concerned that that day was going to die, especially with the EPA enforcement you know, and <coughs> excuse me, carb and everybody else. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's real stuff. I mean, they're enforcing, you know, it's really difficult, um, to work with those guys, but it's not impossible. You know, you just have to, you have to understand it. You have to work with all the systems. You have to keep everything together. Um, make sure, you know, all the, all the check marks are checked and then, you know, it all kind of works out. Mm-hmm. Well, nice. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's, I have to say it's really exciting. You know, this is the, this first time I've been really this excited about, um, kind of a product, you know, really in years, just because it was almost one of those doom and gloom things. You know, like, you know, is diesel really going to survive in the aftermarket? You know, in my opinion, it really is. I mean, it's doing really well for us. I mean, these systems are, they are just absolutely awesome. And, and I'll tell you what, one of the coolest things that I've really enjoyed is, you know, I've gotten a little bit older, so, you know, all that, you know, when I was a kid, all the black smoke and everything was mm-hmm. was kind of cool. You know, I don't know if I was ever a major, major fan of it, but it was pretty cool, you know, to put your foot into it and you get a little bit of black smoke and, mm-hmm. you know, the truck hauls ass. But now, you know, you put your foot into it and, you know, you don't get the smell. You don't have to worry about people behind you. And all you see, if anything, is white smoke from the tires. Yeah. You know, and that's cool. You know, they run, I mean, they run very similar. And, you know, I've gotten... I've really gotten spoiled. You know, of course, you know, I live in, in, uh, drive around Denver, you know, and Denver is unfortunately becoming kind of one of those California ish, you know, a lot of liberals and, um, it's just a very clean state, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, you don't, you know, you just can't get away with, with a dirty vehicle and, you know, nobody knows it. I mean, it's clean. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. You know, I think it's, I think it's definitely the way of the future, you know, and I'm just really glad that, that, um, the technology caught up with the enforcement, mm-hmm. you know, cause the enforcement would have killed us all. You yeah. know, that was, that was a pretty scary thing. Yeah, absolutely. So making clean power, um, that's kind of what gets us jacked to, uh, diesel power products has now been exclusively like as much quote unquote EPA compliant as, as we can be as much as they're telling us what we can be, I guess at that point. And I think a lot of us are the, the diesel market. I, I agree with you there. Like uh, when I got my first diesel truck, I was like, yeah, man, roll a little coal and feel cool. And like, yeah, that, that was cool. Back in the day when the trucks didn't know any better. Now they know better. They're strong enough. They're powerful enough. They have the technology to actually be better. Um, so I, I think I, I really like the idea that you guys are working towards that as well as we are. And I think it's gonna make some really cool stuff. I, I remember back, uh, 
the same lecture we were talking about. I keep referring back to it because it was, it was a big it was a big weekend for me. It was probably just another another let it roll for you guys, but it was big for me. And you talked about you know the first shop that's making a thousand horsepower DPF intact Golden Goose Golden Ticket. They've done it. Do you think that's still kind of like achievable with emissions intact? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's it's absolutely achievable. I mean we've we've actually our race truck. Um, it's twenty three hundred horsepower mm-hmm. and. Um, I guess this is as good a time to, as any to talk about it, but we'll be debuting it this year. It has DPFs on it, and awesome. it flows. It it has it has one half psi pressure drop in the exhaust at twenty three hundred horsepower. I've got goosebumps. Like I never so, thought I'd get goosebumps about emissions intact, but that gets me pretty stoked right now. No, it's it's cool. I mean, it's been a big deal. It's been kind of you know secret working upstairs, mm-hmm. and it's pretty much done. So I've been working with our DPF manufacturers, you know, over the last pretty much year. Mm-hmm. And I think we got things finally sized and kind of worked out. Um, and, you know, the cool thing about that is I was I was actually going after it that it was going to be basically an interchangeable cartridge type deal. So we've got, we were going to have four DPFs mm-hmm. in the cab. Um, it turns out now we have two big DPFs in the cab. And primarily we ended up doing that because we found that we can actually build enough heat in it that it's running that will actually regenerate. So my thought was, is we would be interchanging these DPFs literally like every drag race mm-hmm. or every, you know, whatever's going to be a dyno pool or, you know, it's just, it's competition truck. Right. But it turns out um, that what we're looking at, we're talking, you know, maybe every four or five runs, you know, if that mainly because it's building the heat to actually regenerate it. So mm-hmm. again, the technology, you know, the, the coatings that are going in the D- these DPFs are so reactive and they're getting so good that they just basically clean themselves. You know, so as long as you don't totally abuse them, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a cigarette. I mean, you put enough ash in it, right? It, it has to, at some point, clog up unless you're breaking it down to the point where it, where it uh, basically aerates. Mm-hmm. So the um, technology in these DPFs is, is pretty impressive, but we're, we're pretty certain that we're going to um, pretty much only have maybe about a 5% loss um, based on the testing we've been doing. That's awesome. So that's pretty cool. So, I mean, we're shooting for... You know, that true, like, 1,800 horsepower, real wheel um, DPF truck. And, and if you're thinking of it or listening to this right now, you're thinking, oh, great, they've got DPFs on a race truck. How does that result to me? But if they're making that much power on a race truck, that translates down to making usable power on a street truck. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. I mean, it yeah. all comes from racing. You know, we go out and racing and we abuse these things, then we use what we've learned, you know, all this data, and it goes directly, directly into the stuff we manufacture every day. That's awesome. So it's just, it's just part of it. That's but, pretty cool. But it, I mean, it really is exciting, you know, and, and there's so many things that, you know, work with that. I mean, you have to be able to, you got to be able to burn the fuel, first of all, right? I mean, we've worked really heavy with Lenny at Dynamite, you know, and he does such a good job. I mean, his, his fuel injection system, you know, his, his injector technology is, it's the best in the industry. I mean, mm-hmm. we work with all of them, you know, and he's been, he's been really, really, um, you know, a key part of this whole plan is getting the you know, emissions on stuff, you know, having the right pumps, having the right injection system, you know, we get the right tuning, you got to burn it right. You got to right, have the right turbos, you know, you, I mean, you got to put all the pieces together, you know, so this, I mean, this is a really exciting project for us. Yeah. It's, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about the guys over at dynamite. Uh, we've had lightning on the show before and we've, I, him being up here, we see him relatively often. And I gotta say, I, I don't think I've ever talked to him and not learned something. Well, same with you, but I see him more often. You're talking about chicks? <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it, we, I usually learn something, and then I ask a question about a 7-3, and he walks out of the room. And, <laughs> and that's pretty much how the conversation goes. Um, but I, I, 
I'm super stoked that you guys are doing a DPF intact race truck. Uh, we, we, uh, our F bomb truck was the emissions intact and we actually ran as a qualifier at UCC and people were kind of like stunned or, or they, they didn't quite know what to think of it. Mm-hmm. And cause we, not only did we run it there, the drag race and the, uh, and the dyno, uh, we weren't able to do the sled pull cause we were technically overweight. Um, but we towed a trailer from Spokane all the way there, took, unhooked the trailer, went and dyno dragged it and drove it to the hotel back and forth every day. And it was on forties and it's, it's, it's got long travel on it. It's like, it, and people, it, it ran like a 14, 14, eight in, in the quarter or something like that. And it even scratched the tires. Yeah. And, and people were like, I think you have forties on it. Yeah. I'm like, is that any missions intact? Yeah. Like I didn't even hear it go. Like, I know it, it's cool. It's quiet on the inside and it, and it, and it moves and you can drive over anything. And I think that's that's the there, there's a small small group of people that are really enthusiastic about that portion of it right now. But I think it's only going to grow. I think yeah. the, the coal rolling well, people are. I mean, we're really yeah. we've been talking about a culture change, mm-hmm. you know, and that and that's ultimately what we're talking about. I mean, it, it takes ten years, you know, to get a culture change. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we started down this road, you know, oh seven oh eight. I mean, we were we were absolutely out of our minds. I mean, it was premature. Yeah, you know, talking to people up until probably seriously maybe three years ago. Still, people are like, why would you want to do that? I mean, why are you spending your time? Why don't you just delete the truck? Like, well, for one, it's illegal, mm-hmm. you know, but for two, you know, I mean, we have to figure this out, you know, because we're not going to be able to do this forever, right? I mean, we've got to use the technology and it's and not only that, it's healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of nice not to have black shit everywhere. Yeah. Right. You know, so let's, you know, I mean, let's have the cake and eat it too. Let's do it clean, mm-hmm. you know, and have all the power we want. And then, you know, these guys will get off our ass, yeah. you know, I mean, EPA is on our butts because we've been every the industry has been doing the wrong thing for a long time you know so you know we can blame those guys but the fact is they're doing their job mm-hmm. so let's let's allow them to do their job you know let's do what we do well and not give them a reason to screw with us and then they'll go away yeah you know it's pretty simple so that's what we're doing you know and i think it's a i think it's a good place to be you know it's um like i say it's very exciting but we're gonna get back that day where we're making huge power and you know then uh We'll uh, go and have some more fun. We're going to have fun. And it's it's fun being on the, the like, quote unquote, the leading edge of the sword. Technology is cool. Yeah. Yeah. If if you're, you're 12 off guys, you're, you're fine. It's okay. Like we're not harping on you guys or anything like that, but the, the moving forward with it and figuring out problems that gets me jacked. Like that, that's pretty cool. I like what you guys are doing over there. Uh, moving forward. This is an off the wall question. I got to ask it. Are you going to bring the ponytail back? Oh no, 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 those days are over. Oh, come on. No more ponytail. Uh, if you guys don't know, Clint had a ponytail. It was rad. 18 years <laughs> without a haircut. I had a sweet <laughs> mullet for many, many years. Uh, you know, child of the 90s, whatever you want to call it. Uh, okay, getting back to serious stuff. But I did bring my chest yeah. here back, so. Yeah. <laughs> your sweet chest hair down to your, you know, I had, uh, down to your ball throw. I had Ryan convinced no. <laughs> for, I think, the first five years when he was working for me that uh-huh. I did not grow chest hair. Oh. So he's like, I'm just hairless. I'm like, God, I'm so lucky. I've... I've I've never known you to grow hair. One day we go to a show and I pull off my shirt and there's hair. He's like, oh my God, you finally hit puberty. Like, yeah, stop shaving my chest. <laughs> uh, the, the next one, and this is actually like, this is a, one of my favorite questions. This is one of my favorite things to talk to people about whenever they call and ask for transmissions and stuff like that. And the only way I can think of the phrase this question is, where did you gather up the balls to offer a five-year, 500,000-mile warranty on stuff? You know, I'll tell you what, what it allows us to offer the five-year warranty is pretty much the five-star and the triple lock, mm-hmm. you know, mainly because the converter, I mean, the converter is the main thing. There's two, there's, there's a couple key points that allow us to do five-year warranty. 
one, our performance trainings, you know, not only there's two parts of performance, there's performance and reliability. And I've always tried to pay attention to the long-term type failures. For instance, a 68 RFE, mm -hmm. the pistons rub in the bore, right? There's, there's Teflon rings and the pistons stroke in the bore. They don't necessarily not seal, but the piston rubs on the housing and it wears the housing out. And that happens, you know, in that five year mark, mm -hmm. right? So they just, you know, anywhere from, you know, two and a half to, you know, four years, I mean, they're wearing through and it's, it's a problem. So we redesigned that completely, you know, bore them out, build a bigger piston, put rubber mm -hmm. seals on it. So it centers the piston. So it, excuse me, doesn't rub, it doesn't touch and it live, it elim eliminates the high mileage failure, right? A 47 RE, for instance, you know, the TV valve wears out in the board. There's nothing you can do about it unless mm -hmm. you redesign it. So we bore it out. We put a steel sleeve in it. But so pressure regulator valves, all these areas inside trannies that wear out, we redesign them so they don't wear out anymore. And then you add the performance part of it. So now you have the high load capacity and you have the longevity. In the torque converter, because of the square tab construction, you know, they just don't wear. I mean, they're just, there's zero wear point. So when you have the center steel that's encapsulated in the cover <coughs> in the steel clutch basket, you know, it doesn't have the issues that other manufacturers have as far as the steel moving around and it wears just a little bit, mm -hmm. then it gets out of center and then you actually start dropping material and you have clutch failure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by, by, by redesigning the couple areas inside the torque converter and the transmission that eliminate those wear points, then all you have to do is build the train. It's going to hold the power and you know, they last and you can offer the long warranty with them. That's awesome. Then so. this, this goes out to, if there's any, any people wondering about getting ATS transmission, you can buy them in, in a lot of places. We obviously sell them. You should call me. My name is Ben. I work at diesel Block products, shameless plug. But the, if, if you don't have a local dealer and that's probably the best place to get them installed. If you don't have one, you need to tell your shop, they need to contact ATS and go through the steps to become a local dealer because the warranty and, and being a, having, having it installed by an actual local certified ATS dealer is monumental. Well, not only that, you get some additional warranty with it. If a mm -hmm. certified dealer installs it, then you get a full one-year parts labor. Mm -hmm. Or not only parts, you get f parts for five years, but you get um, any, if there's any issues, you get shipping and labor paid for the first year. So it's, awesome. a, it's a good deal. You know, yeah. it's a really good deal. So th that's the end of the shameless sales plug, if anybody's wondering. We're going to get back to talking <laughs> about cool stuff now. Um, second question. Purple. So, you know, there's, there's, that's one of the most common questions, yeah. right? And ironically, the Colorado Rockies opened up in 93 mm -hmm. and they're purple. And I opened in 93. That had no correlation, but it turns <laughs> out it's the exact same purple. And I didn't realize it until just a few years ago. Um, somebody said, you know, did you get that color from Colorado Rockies? I'm like, I didn't even realize they were purple. <laughs> but no, in, in, uh, for real, what happened with purple is it was the only, uh, color that wasn't being used by another manufacturer. Mm -hmm. You know, there was yellow, there was green, there was blue, red, everything else. And I'm like, man, I'd really like to have a, you know, a really cool color. Um, and you know, of course purple was the only one. So I took a lot of shit for it for, for years <laughs> and years. like, I can't believe that you got a Barney color, you know, you got to oh, that yeah. purple, but it's worked out really well for us for us. You know, the, the deep Royal purple is a beautiful purple and it's become pretty popular. But it's, I would say it's definitely unique in the industry. Yeah, I would say uh, back in the day, and, and some other history buffs are probably going to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it uh, wasn't purple the sign of like royalty yep, or something yep, like that. Was, yeah, I, I, I'm, I hear I'm that sure that's prob probably not the one you're trying to put out there like, oh, we're better than everybody else, but 
kind of are. Yeah, no, it's just a, <laughs> no, it's just a, it's a cool color, you know. And there's there's some funny stuff about the um, about that as well. The I actually almost had to change the color. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this was around oh oh uh, four um, when I moved into the big building. Mm-hmm. So I ended up with another. I ended up in another fire district, and my paint booth wasn't certified. Um, according to those guys, to actually spray a conventional paint. Hmm. So I could either retrofit it, which I really didn't have the money at the time to completely do like a $50,000 retrofit. So I found another alternative, which was a water-based paint. So that, well, I'll use the water-based paint just for a little while until I can get this, get this thing retrofitted. Well, I couldn't get that color. So I finally talked to the manufacturer. They finally agreed, you know, I think we can get to that color. We're going to try it. So they managed to match the color, and they did such a good job, it actually ended up being a little bit deeper purple hmm. that we ended up adopting. Um, and then, of course, it turned out to be a better paint than the conventional paints, and that's what we've been using for the last 15 years. Nice. So, yeah, that was kind of a cool deal that the, uh, that, that the, the twist on that, the ultimate color, ended up being changed because of a water-based blend that they had to mm-hmm. come up with. All right, I got two more questions, and we're going to get into some funky stuff. All right. So next question, half-ton diesels, like the uh, three-liter power stroke and uh, the eco-diesel, any plans on doing anything with that stuff? Yeah, it's on the board. We're we're finishing up. um, We're just finishing up the last bit of emissions on stuff for our turbochargers on the the, uh, 2500 series trucks, Mm -hmm. and then we'll be tackling the half-ton stuff. And that's exciting stuff. I mean, that's about 10 years delayed Mm -hmm. you know that stuff was supposed to be released in 07 Mm -hmm. but because the emissions laws when they came out you know it really it stumped them so um they just you know literally took them you know another 13 14 years for them to get it out Mm -hmm. but it's uh it's it's there it's here i mean you're seeing them come out in in just about every model now so it's not going anywhere no it's a big deal yeah uh the next one is i don't know I have to ask this as a 7.3 guy, and I, I catch hate for this every day. So if you hear this from 7.3 guys, whatever. Uh, so I know you guys did a uh, an Allison conversion on KJ's old body style 7.3, yep. if I recall correctly. Um, I have no means of contact with him or anything like that. How How is that truck doing? I, Great. He okay. was just up at the um, up at the mm-hmm. shop two weeks ago. We were playing in the um, Diesel Power Challenge for 19. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I had a hard time keeping him – actually on track as far as talking about the challenge because he kept talking about his truck mm-hmm. and how cool it is. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, um, he is absolutely in love with that truck. Awesome. And I mean, the Allison worked out really well. And you know, the, the reality of it is you can, you can drop an Allison in behind anything. Mm-hmm. And of course that's our only option. If you have an early ASIN truck, for instance, an 07 to 13, um, Dodge cabin chassis truck that has an ASIN in it, we don't even offer that tranny. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we can't build it. We, the parts are terrible. They're way overpriced. Um, we just kind of deem that tranny as something that we're not going to be able to, you know, build enough parts to it to stand behind it. So we decided just to move away from that. So we offer mm-hmm. an Allison exchange for that. So our Allison package, um, and this goes almost with any vehicle out there, that if you want to drop an Allison behind it, then literally we have the adapter plates. We have a special converter built. Um, the converter, the training is a little bit unique, um, cause it has to fit between the engine and the transfer case, of course. Right. So there's different splines and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the computer is basically a standalone. So the computer operates the training, the engine 
operates the tra- the engine, of course. So it's not a it's not a single computer anymore. Um, it's two separate systems, and we've pretty much got those packages worked out. For instance, like um, KJ's truck, you know, take out his four one hundred, drop in the Allison, and you have a fully programmable electronic um, TCM that handles the shifting, upshifting, all that, and um, it makes it just seamless. That's it's, awesome. It's a it's a cool package. Yeah, as a as a seven three guy, I, I know I keep saying this, and I harp on myself for that kind of. But it's it's my forte, tried and true. I love it. I'm never going to leave it. Um, but uh, when he did that, it, it's always I always think about you know if if I only had one more gear on each end, how how much better could this platform be? And not that a seven three is like the the freaking bent end all be all platform whatever. But there's a lot of guys out there that are actually spending money on older trucks because mm-hmm. they're not wanting to drop eighty grand on a new truck. Yep. And you know they're they're wanting to get more out of it, and I think that's maybe one of those swaps that people could possibly get behind. I don't know. I, you know, I, it, it makes me happy. I tell you, I mean, I don't think anybody's scrapping seven threes. Mm-hmm. There are more seven threes out there. I mean, they're just not going away. They mm-hmm. are incredibly popular. I mean, the six liters are popular. Yeah. You know, they're just they're good trucks. I mean, just because they're older engines, you know, doesn't mean that they're bad by mm-hmm. any means. I mean, the seven three is probably still the most popular engine out there you know mm-hmm. the six liter is a very popular engine you know we all know that you know we had some issues with the head gaskets and the EGR cooler and that but you know you you take the time and fix the top end of the engine and there's reliable as anything you mm-hmm. know you're gonna you're gonna drop an injector now and then that's the extent of it mm-hmm. you know so having having parts available you know to surround this engine you know turbochargers transmissions you know flex plates I mean manifolds um, all that stuff, you know, it's, I mean, we're continuing to develop products for the six liter and the seven three mm-hmm. today, you know, even though it's been out of production for almost 10 years, yeah. you know, they're not going anywhere. So they're just, uh, they're, they're great vehicles and you certainly don't have to worry about any emission stuff. That's true. Even in California, you get one of those 94 or 97s that are pretty smog. That was the whole reason I ended up purchasing a 96 for my first diesel truck. Cause I just wanted, I didn't want to do a smog in California and it worked yep. out great. And then I yeah. got out. I moved up here. My life exponentially got better. <laughs> Anyhow, so now we're going to move on to one of my favorite parts. It, it's uh, diesel trucks are life. We do that all day, every day, seven days a week, whatever. If, if there was an eighth day of the week, what's your jam? What gets you going? Is it your tractor with an extra turbo? No, it's pretty much my what dirt bike and my razor. Nice. So I just went through a huge project um, mm-hmm. over the winter, um, turbocharged my razor. Mm-hmm. And it was... I. I was thinking it was going to be kind of like a weekend deal. I ended up spending probably about a hundred hours on it, um, <laughs> primarily because I'm very, very particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but the razor that I have is a little, it's a S series, you know, in Colorado, we have the 50 inch width, mm-hmm. you know, trail deal. So I have to put the small tires on it when we go right up in the hills, but it was a 1000, but of course it has, it, there was no turbocharger. So I had to manufacture, you know, a turbocharger and a header and a mount and intercooler, Mm-hmm. you know, all the components. So I think one thing that I made a vow to myself is I would not own a internally combustion motor that doesn't have a turbocharger on it. Yes. So, you know, that being said, I think everything's got to have a turbocharger, you oh, know, man. whether it's gas or diesel. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, diesel is definitely my passion. Um, the trucks that I drive around and do all the work with mainly cause I like to, I like to tow a lot of things and tend to overwork trucks, you know? Mm-hmm. So, well, just makes, like everybody else does. That's 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 yeah. it. You know, that's Good that's job. the whole thing. So, <laughs> you know, there are a couple, <clears throat> there are a couple of projects around the corner. You know, the Ford F one fifty EcoBoost. Um, that's becoming a really popular platform, and a lot of our diesel customers have fallen into those trucks, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because they have a 
decent towing capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, they build good power. You know, they're pretty reliable and they're a lot less expensive. You know, so we're finding a lot of our diesel guys have, have uh, kind of moved into the 150 series. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, with the with the, the diesels going in the 150, that's even more exciting. I think we're going to see more and more of that. So I think it's very important, very important to diversify, you know, on technologies. You know, there's, um, you know, gas has a lot to teach us, you know, just as diesel. And, you know, diesel is definitely where the meat and potatoes is. And that's what the the guy that really works his truck and needs that pulling power. I mean, you've, there's no substitute, mm-hmm. but you know, some of these little models, I mean, they're, they're coming up, the technology is getting there. So, but one common anomaly is it's all about the turbo. Yeah. So turbos are the way of the future. You know, the more, the more technology we put in the turbochargers, regardless of what kind of fuel it's burning is mm-hmm. definitely what's going to get us there. Yeah. It's definitely a way to good, make really good, clean, efficient power. Yeah. Yeah. So the last portion of this, I'm going to flip it around. Do you have any questions for me or diesel power products? You know, I don't think so. I think you answered everything for me. You know, well, you've got, uh, I've known Brian and Coop for a long time now. And, you know, I've just, I've been admiring this building. So I got to say anybody <laughs> that is ever in Spokane, ever going to come down and visit. I mean, you've got to come and visit diesel power products. Cause mm-hmm. this, this place is badass. you know, and the crew, you know, you guys, it's, it's, it's when I walk in here, it's kind of like I walk in, you know, it might be a couple of years between, but it's like I was here last week. You know, it's the mm-hmm. same crew. Um, everybody's obviously extremely happy. Otherwise, wouldn't keep being here. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just a, it's a cool place. It's probably my favorite place to visit. You know, I'm not a big traveler. I honestly hate to travel. Um, but every time I come up here, it's 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 the coolest trip. So it's it's what you guys are doing is pretty badass. So no real questions. Just uh, thanks for you know the business you guys do, and I appreciate you guys having us up here and. It's a, it's a good time. Absolutely. And your guys' building is pretty, not not to get into a whole building build off here, but your guys' building is pretty badass too. Like uh, last time I was there, it, it's really cool. Like, so don't discredit yourself here. You're, you're doing a good job. <laughs> so we talked about lots of diesel transmissions. We talked about the diesel half ton stuff, um, Jeep transmissions. I know you guys do a 42 RLE trans and converter. Yeah. Trans converter co-pilot actually. Oh, you know, and the, the Jeep stuff got really, really popular mainly because of you guys, you know, you guys mm-hmm. are everybody's going and playing they're either running their dirt bikes or their razors or jeeping right mm-hmm. so a huge clientele that we have sold to for years and years and years for the diesel pickup trucks mm-hmm. are jeepers right mm-hmm. so we started getting more requests for us to build jeep transmissions you know and kind of like well we can do that but we just haven't so finally i got enough requests that decided to dive into it so bought a jeep and modded it and you know started really beating them up and found that there were some pretty severe deficiencies in the mm-hmm. in the Jeep tranny. You know, the 42 is basically a caravan tranny. It's actually where the 68 RFE, you know, grew up to be, right? So that whole talking series about of that. tranny, mm-hmm. you know, is just garbage. Um, cool thing is, is all the technology from the 68 RFE behind the diesel literally fell right down into the 42 RLE. I mean, the converter, you know, the the solenoid pack, the valve body, the gear set, the clutch packs, Mm-hmm. everything the bigger pump um so you know ended up building you know basically like stage two stage three um 42 training you know it has complete the big converter the big pump the big clutch drums the hydraulics the co-pilot um co-pilot's amazing you know it ties engine load into line pressure um converter clutch actuation so it keeps it in the right gear at the right time keeps mm-hmm. everything clamped um and they're complete drop-in packages you know and then of course the 13 and newer is the nag one and we're going through the same thing with it. They're just beginning to fall out of those warranties and, and uh, he, you know, hitting that five-year mark where they're failing. 
So, you know, the, for the, so the Jeep guys out there, the off-roader guys, you know, we have, we have a lot of products to offer on mm-hmm. that line as well, which is like I say, it's, it, it probably came at a good time because it's, it's been very, very popular. Yeah. This is, I, I, I somewhat hate, hate this phrase, but not a one trick pony. Yeah. <laughs> one trick pony. <laughs> pony tails, ponies. We're talking about all of it today, man. But Clint is, is an honor having you here. Um, I've, uh, like I mentioned before, last time I was at your guys' facility, I was blown away. Um, all the parts we sell with you guys has been awesome. Um, any type of warranty issues, they're my favorite kinds of warranty issues because I don't have to work with them. You guys take care of it, and I never hear bad things. Cool. So it makes me happy. It makes me feel good. It gives me the warm and fuzzies, if you will. Well, we certainly work. We work hard for that. You know, customer service is everything. I mean, we build, you know, the amount of trainees, converters that we build. I mean, we have failures because we have a lot, mm-hmm. you know, of a product out there, you know, and, you know, a, a, you know, a small percentage even of a lot, you know, is a couple, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, with that being said, I mean, we know that we have some stuff that we have to deal with. And when we have issues, we like to take care of it. Um, so we have a full staff in house, you know, we have four tech guys, mm-hmm. you know, that tech, tech slash warranty, whatever you want to, you know, however, it, however it comes in, you know, a lot of the stuff that comes in are tech questions, you know, or, or, you know, if there's a warranty issue, then we generally, you know, just deal with it, you know, do the best I can, you know, we're humans and, you know, like I say, we, you know, we're not perfect, but we certainly understand, you know, our customers and know that the vehicles are very important, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of these, most of these trucks are work trucks, mm-hmm. you know, so if they're broke, that means you're not working, you know, and you're losing money. Yep. And we know that's a real deal. So, you know, with that, um, you know, one of our new programs is we keep just about every transmission, um, on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, this last year and a half, we've, we've increased the number of dynos we have in the building. Um, and they're actually going through two dyno cycles now. So we have, we're dynoing valve bodies completely mm-hmm. um, before they go in the transmission. Then transmissions are dynoed. Then they run through the test cycle. Um, we have a big, huge electric dyno um, and our two diesel ones. So depending on the the year make and model, we'll determine how they're how they run through and then they go on the shelf. So that's been a nice program, you know. So if somebody does have you know a, a weird problem, they're out in the sticks, you know, and there's a smaller shop that can't fully diagnose, you know, mm-hmm. if they can't fully diagnose it because diagnosing a a control problem from an actual internal problem requires a lot of, a lot of skill and a lot of equipment. You know, a lot of these little shops, sometimes they don't have it, mm-hmm. you know? So in those instances, you know, we can ship out a training and just switch them out. So, you know, the customer service side of it and the, and just generally taking care of the customer, you know, at the end of the sale, especially over a five year period, um, is a challenge, but we take it very seriously, you know, that's and that's, that's what we're here for you. Yeah, I mean, this is a culture to us. I mean, this is not, we don't do this because, you know, it's, we're, we're just trying to survive and we do this because we love it. You know, I mean, it is culture. You know, I've got a lot of very long-term, um, guys, you know, and gals that work with me. I've got a lot of employees that are hitting their 20 year mark. Wow. You know, which is cool. That's really cool. So, you know, my hat's off to those guys because ATS myself couldn't do it, you know, without those guys. So the, Mm -hmm. so it really is, I mean, it's the love of it and it's the culture of ATS that keeps everybody going. So it's relationships, with guys like you, you know, that make it work with our customers. So it's, it's a uh, American made stuff and we're digging it right on, man. Yeah. Well, that's going to button us up. Clint, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Thank I, you. uh, I, every minute that I've heard you talk in my life, I've learned something. I know it sounds super weird to say, but even you're even Tell the, you we're going to get naked. Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> Where's even, Lenny at? Yeah. Oh, every, every naked episode needs a short, <laughs> short guy to be naked too. But it, uh, I'm a little speechless right now. It's a little, a little bit of a, 
having a, having a moment right now. But uh, Clint, it was awesome having you here. I uh, appreciate you coming on. Um, those of you watching, we want to have more podcasts like this. We have new microphones. If you're listening right now, we sound super awesome. And I'm like whispering in your ear. <laughs> it's because we actually are really invested in trying to make this really awesome. So uh, make sure you leave a comment, subscribe, um, leave a five-star review, screenshot it, send it to benedictofpowerproducts.com. I'll send you a t-shirt and a handwritten note that'll probably make your upper butt crack sweat. Clint, any last words? You got it. You got it, man. The beers are empty. The podcast is over. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.